Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the B-Side Boys Podcast, an Iowa rugby podcast. I'm Mr. Gray. And I'm Philly V. And we are in the Wombat Den studio presented by Rotor Epoxy. Yeah, Rotor Epoxy. You know, if you need any of your like shed floors done, basements, bars now, office spaces, they're definitely the place to call. You know, that nice epoxy finish is going to make your floors look good. It's going to be easy to clean. You know, just get it done. Get it done. Good people, better product. Uh, you know, they're a concrete contractor. Uh, actually, did you see another new space that they did this past week? Another one? A patio. Ooh. Look at that. They did a patio. They got the steps, and then it's that big slat. Uh, and, yeah, look at that transformation. So they also, yeah, they had that indoor bar. But, yeah, this week they did a patio, outdoor patio. Yeah, that I mean, was nice. Yeah, look at that. I mean, it, it's got like that concrete look to it, but just super easy to clean. And then you're not having oh. those those stains on it. Like, see that stain in the middle? Yeah. Boom, gone. I was and, just going to ask about that, huh? Yeah. So, I mean, they make your space look good. And pretty much any place you want to have, they're going to get it done. And they're going to make it look good. And they're just, they're good people. So, Rotor Epoxy, get a hold of them. Uh, R-O-D-E-R-E-P-O-X-Y. You'll find them on Facebook. Great dudes. They are. Yeah. That Kyle Roeder, gotta love him. I know. I miss him. I haven't seen him in so long. All these bye weeks and stuff. Uh, I know. Like, we have a jam-packed show today. I'm super excited. We're trying to test out a new format. We have four or five interviews. Four, like, mini interviews, yeah. Maybe a fifth? Maybe a fifth. Yeah. Because high school girls rugby just started on Monday. Yeah, that's gonna be exciting. Is that, where's that gonna be located at? Well, there's two locations. I shouldn't have brought it up because <laughs> I don't have it up, man. Like, we're just rolling, man. Oh, that's uh, my bad. My Iowa bad. Youth Rugby Association. I'll look it up. Because here's the thing, Phil. It already happened. Oh, yeah. We record on Sunday. But I'm going to record again on Tuesday so we can get some awesome interview with kind of people to see what's going on. Yeah, so the very first matches at Norwalk and at Cedar Falls. Oh, cool. Okay. That's yeah. where matches were just played two days ago. Oh, nice. Dude, it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. And at the end of the show, we're going to check in and run down high school girls rugby. So good stuff there. We have a jam-packed episode with senior side, men's, collegiate. women's, collegiate. And then, yeah, we'll end the show with high school. So yeah, should we just perfect. dive into it? Might as well. All right. So up first, we have the D1 men. Palmer, they played Kansas City Blues. Really close match. Kansas yeah, City, that's a that. tough side. A couple of guys from Iowa in there mm-hmm. again. Kansas City, 34, Palmer, 26. Wow. So, I mean, they're just... That score kind of surprises me. I would have assumed, it, just from Palmer's track record this fall so far, I would have assumed maybe it would have been a little larger margin. So, good for them. Maybe they're starting to kind of get some stuff figured out. Right. And that's that's tough. I mean, they are now 0-4, I believe. 
but it does seem like they are figuring things out. They had a close match against Wisconsin. They had a close match right here against the Blues. And we're going to look at the standings. The Blues are 2-2. Wisconsin's 2-2. Metropolis is 2-2. They're right. I mean, they were right there with those clubs. um, Because in the West, St. Louis is 4-0. And then there's three three teams tied for second at 2-2. Metropolis, Blues, and Wisconsin. And then Palmer 0-4. But that's the thing; they could easily be two and two. Yeah, because yeah, well, that was. Would you say that Wisconsin match was decided by two points, right? It was like twelve fourteen or something like that. Uh, ten twelve or ten twelve. Yeah. Yep. And then this one was by eight. Yeah. So yeah, they're right in it. They're right in it, and hopefully, you know, they're ha- they are at their halfway point of the season. I mean, keep working, keep grinding. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Then other action in D one, uh, Metropolis against Wisconsin. 32-31, Wisconsin wins. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. That's another crazy. score. Wisconsin, it seemed like they'd been struggling. They get the win over Palmer, and then this week they beat Metropolis by one. I, I mean, I thought Metropolis was kind of a front runner for the West. Yep. St. Louis had a bye this week. They're at 4-0. Metropolis drops it to Wisconsin, so now it's a three-way tie for second in the western side of D1. So I, that's a really shocking one. Again, Wisconsin finding their pace. Don't know how roster structure or injuries or anything like that played out. Um, mm. But again, you need that depth. Yeah, You you see a different team every week. So comparing scores doesn't always work, in ru- especially in rugby, because rosters look wildly different yeah. from week to week. Especially, yeah, availability for some people might change. And like I said, injuries. You know, and you could have one or two really big key injuries that could kind of screw your team, you know? Yeah. And then we have on the... Eastern side, Detroit defeats Pittsburgh Forge 34-17. And then for first place in the East, Chicago Griffins 40, Chicago Lions 22. Wow. Honestly, I thought Chicago Lions were going to be the favorite. but yeah. Chicago has great rugby. There's yeah. a reason why it's Carfu. It's the Chicago Union. Yeah. I mean, that's where rugby takes place. The Griffins are 5-0. The Lions are 4-1. Detroit Tradesmen 3-2. Pittsburgh Forge, 2-3. and three. And then Cleveland and Cincinnati uh, were both 0-4. They played each other. They didn't post the score. So one of them's 1-4, one and, <laughs> and one of them's 0-5, and or they tied, and we don't know. <laughs> but basically, it looks like Chicago Griffins and St. Louis Bombers, that's going to be your, your championship for the Midwest. Yep. Uh, but again, we're only halfway through. Yeah, a lot can happen. A lot could happen. D1 women. Palmer defeated the Chicago women's rugby. 17-14. Ooh, that was a close one. Wow. Yeah, and then the women have a bye next week. The men's team, they play at Metropolis. So that's our D1 wrap-up. Sweet. Let's move on to D2. So D2, Des Moines. Uh, I texted Phil, and I said, Phil, let's get a guy from Des Moines on the show. And Phil's like, all right, I will. And then 15 minutes later, he's like, dude, they had a bye. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> I bad. So I, thought maybe, De- I thought maybe they had like a <laughs> forfeit or something because i'd like i thought for sure as you said that i'm like oh gray's usually on top of this <laughs> usually usually uh not this time so des moines had a bye they play east side next week at east side now you were talking Ooh. to jacob sunday yeah apparently they need to win by at least seven points or more i'm assuming there's got to be some sort of phenomenal defensive stand to where they don't allow east side to get any bonus points for them to take the lead yeah, because they lost to Eastside the first time, so they yeah. need to get that win back. And then again, bonus points are the name of the game. Because again, yeah, you need to win this one by seven, and that's where you're going to make up that point. 
But if you can hold them under four tries and then you have to get your five bonus or your five match points. So four for a win and one for a bonus point, the rest of your matches as well. I mean, they are in the midway point of their season. They need all the bonus points they can get. And then if they are tied in bonus points, um, and then I think it goes to point differential, but why worry about that? I mean, take care of business, take your best squad, your best look up to East side. Ah, that's going to be an interesting match because East Side's D3 team, the Whalers, or D4 team? No, D3. D3 yeah. yeah, D3. Uh, they're kicking ass in D3. So, I mean, there might be guys that are jumping around on the roster, like moving their way up, developing. Yeah. It's going to be a tough match and kind of de facto championship match. Yeah. As long as, I mean, you expect both teams to win out the rest of the way and take care of business, but you never know. Yeah, it's it's really hard to say because, like you said, we're, just like we we're talking about D one, really anything can happen. But man, wouldn't it be cool to have two Des Moines teams qualify for playoffs? I mean, I'd love it. I would if, love it if at least one of them did. Yeah, that we play for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, that would be really cool because, uh, you know, there's a lot of high school rugby happening in this area, and I yeah. know both of our clubs really rely on the high school pipeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also rely on, you know. Iowa State, Iowa, and you and I as well. Iowa Central. Yeah. We, we rely on those. Um, in Des Moines, it's it's a big spot. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of good rugby. And I do think, you know, I'm just going to say it, Phil. I do think it shows. I mean, if Des Moines were to qualify for playoffs in D2 and we were to qualify for playoffs in D3, it really shows that there's enough room for, for both two yeah. really good rugby clubs in this area. Um, you know, that's just my humble opinion your two cents yeah (laughs) but no i I think that shows there's enough talent that you can have multiple sides yeah i mean obviously chicago has way more people yeah chicago has the lions they have multiple sides then you have the the griffins then you have the chicago west side condors the chicago dragons uh the chicago blaze yeah i mean granted they are would it be five times Five times as big? Yeah. 300,000 times five is six million. Yeah, and I think, I think Chicago's got more than six million people. Six billion. Oh. No, I'm what? way back. No. <laughs> like, wait, I don't. wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, someone live tweet us the amount of people that live in Chicago. I want to know this now. Population of Chicago. I think it's fair to assume that they definitely have... Oh. 8.9 million. Oh, you're actually kind of close. I thought it was more than that. I thought it was like at least 10 or 11. Yeah, no. It, I'm going off of a number from, let's see. Let's see. When were they at 6 million? Uh, 1960. <laughs> I was just say, it was probably the 1900s. You know, public education, man. My textbooks are outdated. <laughs> I don't know why I always thought Chicago had 6 million. But, I mean, yeah, it makes sense why they have 10... I mean, if you think about like the the different tiered sides, you know they have like five or six clubs, and then a oh, couple of those clubs South have Southside Irish, yeah. Southside Irish, yeah, yeah. That's another one. Yeah. Lincoln Park, yeah. What are we doing? We're oh. not naming anybody. They have a whole they have a whole league. Yeah, there's like ten or twelve teams in Chicago, so they're gonna be two teams in Des Moines. We should move on. <laughs> uh, and then Minneapolis is another place. Minneapolis, St. Paul, that's an area. Uh, Metropolis went to Cedar Falls to play Bremer at that yep. super site. Metropolis wins 38-31. They scored in the final seconds or final minutes uh, to take the victory. So, uh, tough day there. Next week, Bremer will play St. Paul at home. 
moving into D3. Again, D2, more than likely east side Des Moines. That'll be kind of for, yeah, they're, they're fighting for first place there. We move into D3. The Wombats had a bye. There's the league-wide D3 bye next week as well. So mm-hmm. we're off this week. We're off next week. Then we go to Davenport to play Quad City on October 8th. Yep. Then we move into Quad City at Cedar Rapids, and we're going to hear from Jake Wurz. All right, and we have with us Jake from the Quad City Irish. Jake, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, doing well. We had a good weekend. The Irish, uh, Irish, Irish had a great weekend, so doing well. Nice. Yeah, you guys were in Cedar Rapids against the Headhunters. You guys walked away with a 52-20 to 20 victory. Uh, can you tell us a little bit, how was the match? Uh, the match was great. The match was great. The other team played really well. They never slowed down. We didn't slow down. Uh, we kind of played a, a, a good game, and we, we made sure it was respectful the whole way through, and everybody had a great time. Nice. Any names you want to shout out that stepped up for Quad City for you? Uh, we had some great new guys. So uh, our new guy, Jack, he played a great game, first game, uh, touched the ball, did some uh, some very respectable things. Um, other new guys, they just improved again. Uh, a gal named Garrett and all named uh, George. Um, but uh, all around, just, just well played. Nice. Dude, I saw, too, that you uh, got voted for man of the match. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, this guy got it. Uh, you know, I think the other people uh, ins- deserved it as well. Um, but uh, it was a, it was a well played game all around, and uh, the guy who kind of led the charge in the back line did a good job. So it was a good game. Yeah. Anything stand out? Why you were in that? It, like, was there a specific play or moment, or just consistency through eighty minutes? Um, I think it was it was a lot of consistency. Uh, we did a good job handling the ball. Um, not many drops. A uh, good job just kind of distributing it where it needed to be, um, making sure that you know it got out to the wing when it needed to, and uh, stayed to towards the forwards when it also needed to. So, um, just a good distribution. Nice. And so that puts you guys now. Is it three and one? Yes, correct. Three and one. And then this next week, all the D three teams were off with a bye. And then on October 8th, the Wombats are coming to town. So pretty big matchup. You know, the top two teams will go to the Midwest playoffs. And you're right there in that three spot with Dubuque and the Wombats undefeated. uh, Looking to make some noise, make some moves. So how are the guys feeling going into the bye week and then the Wombats coming up after that? Uh, we're all excited. It's a big game, you know. We got uh, a couple of guys over at the Wombats that we enjoy hanging out with, so you know it'll be a, it'll be a, a good time just getting together with those guys and uh, playing some competitive rugby. Oh yeah, where uh, where's the social? I was at? just gonna ask that. <laughs> uh, so the social right now is at Ruby's Beer Brats and Bikes. Um, it's a bicycle shop where they serve beer and uh, they have a volleyball court, and it's right next to the river. It's a great spot, good owners, and uh, great food. Nice. What uh, what beers on tap? They have, I want to say, 25 to 40. Um, if, you know, I had to be honest, Bush Light is the best of the best. But uh, they, have, they have many, many, many different Bush Lights or many different beers on that. <laughs> say many Bush Lights, Bush and Bush Apple. <laughs> Absolutely. And maybe a Bush and A if you need to, you know, just you want the taste, take the edge off a little, you know. <laughs> if you want a Bush Heavy, uh, you're going to have to go somewhere else. But I think we got you covered otherwise. <laughs> awesome. And then um brats as well or is that the name like you said 
Uh, yeah, they make their own brats on site. Um, they actually package them themselves. Oh. I'm not sure if we'll be serving brats at the social, but uh, the cook is a genius, so the food will be good no matter what. Nice. Are they from Wisconsin? That sounds very like Wisconsin. It does a little bit, doesn't it? No, they are uh, they are local, born and bred. They own a couple of restaurants in town, and their food is always good. That's awesome. No, so sounds like a great weekend overall in Davenport, or I mean in Cedar yeah, Rapids, yeah. but for the boys from Davenport. Uh, big things coming up as well for you. Sounds like the season's going pretty well. Any last words you want to give about just kind of where the club's at, where it's going and, um, yeah, just kind of a final thought here. Hey, we're just, we're happy that Iowa rugby is growing and we're doing our best to put it together. And, uh, we hope that it keeps growing and growing and growing, uh, whether it be the West of Maine Wombats, Dubuque or anywhere else in the area. We're, we're excited about it. Awesome. Well, thanks Jake. You have a great night. Yeah, that was well said. We always look forward to hearing from you. And yeah, look forward to seeing you in two weeks and have a couple beers with you too. <laughs> yeah, sounds great, boys. We'll have some uh, some bush light for sure. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Cheers, brother. Sounds good, boys. Cheers. All right. And that was Jake Words with the Quad City Irish. Um, thanks again, Jake, for you know doing a quick little recap for us. Uh, next match, we had uh, Dubuque versus Iowa City. And Mr. Gray, why don't we get a hold of uh, Elliot Gull and hear how the match went? I think that's a great idea, Philly V. All right, and now we have with us Elliot from the Dubuque Riverboat Gamblers. Elliot, how you doing, man? Doing well. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Long time no talk, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so wanted to follow up again. Looked like you guys had another successful uh, weekend in Dubuque. You guys... Walked away the victors, thirty-four to fourteen over Iowa City. Uh, following Iowa City's Instagram story, looked like it was a tight one at halftime. Uh, can you tell us how the match went for you? Yeah, so another great day for rugby. A little foggy, a little cloudy um, during the morning, but good weather for rugby. Pretty good turnout. Um, I think we had 25, 26 guys, so we came with pretty much a full roster. Nice. Iowa City came with. 16 or 17 i think i'm not sure if that's their typical roster size or if they were coming short but they came ready to play they've got a pretty good back line their pack i thought looked a little bit smaller but they're a very physical team pretty well disciplined so you know right out of the gate i think we scored first again but they kept fighting all first half i believe it was two scores to one at halftime um 12 seven or 12 to five but pretty much all the game was a back and forth and it was tight just like last week um when we played northeast it was tight up until about 15 10 minutes left and we scored two late tries to kind of put it away so yeah final score 34 14 but a lot of credit to iowa city that was probably the toughest um game that we've been given all year very complete team so props to iowa city for giving us a nice little challenge a little bit of a scare but a good challenge. <laughs> yeah, definitely. When we played Iowa City, that they punched us in the mouth early. Yeah. And I think they had 16 guys when we went to Iowa City. And yeah, those guys have a lot of grit, a lot of fight in them. And they they don't quit. But Phil, write it down. Dubuque turns it on in the last 10 minutes. We <laughs> I was gotta... just going to say, because it's just like Northeast <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> Scouting report. They're really good in the last 10. <laughs> no, so and that, I think, a credit to the fact that, you know, you have a full bench. You have guys who can come on, finish the game for you. How does that depth really help your team, you know, 
whether it's during the match or during the week as you guys are training. How I mean, how many guys do you have at a practice each week? I mean, depending on the day, because we do practice on both Tuesdays and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Tuesday is usually a little bit better attended um, because a couple of our college-age kids have night class on Thursdays. So on Tuesdays, we can get anywhere from 18 to 24 guys if everyone's there. Mm-hmm. And then Thursday, typically between, you know, anywhere from 13 if it's a light night to up to 18 to 20 for a good night. So it's enough that we can get some good work done. We can break down into backs and forwards. They can go over their lineouts. We can run through our backline plays and then we can come together as a team and run some good opposed phases to end practice. So that's been really beneficial and just feeding off each other's energy. When you've got more guys there, someone does something good and you can just kind of feed off of that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And would you say like, Another guy might have stepped up this week. I mean, in that last... Dang, Phil, I should have let you jump in. I, I, know, I was just ah, waiting for that shoot. question. <laughs> um, go ahead, Phil, you ask. No, yeah, I was just curious on who yeah, who stood out for you this weekend, who really impressed you, or if you've had somebody who's been you know, a repetitive player who's just always falling out for you guys. Yeah, so a really consistent guy has been one of our locks, Mike. Um, he's our jumper. He's always got a positive attitude at practice, and he's been really consistent. He's one of our guys that just joined with us this year. He's never played rugby before, but he's been a really awesome guy for us. And then we have a new guy, Dallas, who just started practicing with us about three weeks ago. He's been super energetic at practice, and we were able to get him minutes, um, I think about the last 15 to 20 minutes at lock. And he made some great tackles. He wasn't scared to get in there. He rucked a couple of times. So that was awesome that we got a new guy in for his first uh, ever rugby minutes. Oh, wow. That is really cool. Yeah. He just started practicing three weeks ago. Yep. Wow. Phil, he's not going to lie to you. Well, I know. I mean, no, that's, that's cool, though. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And, like, it, just cool, too, like you said, that environment at practice, keeping it upbeat makes people want to be there. You know, you want to make your club a place where people want to be there because there are so many things they could choose. And the fact that you have that many guys, I mean, they're probably just a sponge. I mean, you have all these people to learn from twice a week. That's awesome. And, yeah, and now you guys have, is it two weeks off? Yeah, two weeks off. So, like, the statewide buy is this coming Saturday, and then our team buy comes on that 8th. So we've got the two weeks off and then game week against you guys, which this is kind of coming at a nice time because we just played five straight games. We don't really have any serious injuries, but just based on the group chat this morning, a lot of guys are a little dinged up, myself included. So these next two weeks will be nice to kind of recover, maybe, you know, go for a few runs, get in the weight room and just kind of reset the mind and body for that last game. Oh, yeah. And like we said a couple weeks ago or last week, can't remember when it was, but pretty much as long as, you know, we we still have Quad City. the week after, because we have a that lead wide by, and then Quad City, we go to Davenport. Uh, they had a big win this past week against Cedar Rapids, so we know that'll be a tough matchup. And then if we can take care of business there, the de facto D3 Iowa Championship essentially is at Dubuque. What is it, Washington Middle School you guys play at? Yep, that's where we've been playing. They've got a football field out behind their school, and we've been using that the school district was nice enough to let us use that this fall until we can find kind of a more permanent Mm -hmm. location for our club. That's kind of the last piece that's missing for our club that we haven't quite nailed down yet. We know how that goes. (laughs) We're still looking. (laughs) Yeah. We're, 
we have our home field, but yeah, we're kind of nomads at the time. We get that, but that's kind of crazy too. My wife, she's from Dubuque. She actually went to Washington and then uh, her brother's fiance, future sister-in-law, she teaches seventh grade science at Wash right now. So just kind of weird. Like my in-laws, they live like, I think five blocks away from there. So just kind of, I saw on the, the snap story or Instagram story that you guys were playing there. It's like, man, small world, right? It'll be good time, good physical match. And yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. I'm hoping you guys take care of quad cities. I think that'll be a really cool storyline. If you can come up and both teams are undefeated and it's the, the game for the state conference, I think that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, and two of the newest teams in the state as well. I think yeah. that's really interesting that you oh, guys... Oh, that's true, because you guys just started, was it last fall, your first year yep. as the Wombats? And we formed February of 2021. Yep. yep, so we're in year two, and you guys are, I mean, technically year one after, like, the rebuild. So, yeah, really, really cool storyline there if we can make sure it happens. So, yeah. All right. Well, good luck to you guys and hope you take care of business. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Well, Hey, we'll see you in a couple weeks, man. You take care and uh, yeah, we'll see you then. Yeah. You guys have a good night. You too. Cheers, brother. Cheers. All right. So that's all right. And that was Elliot. Elliot, thank you for joining us. Pretty, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Well, that was good. But as we talk to Elliot and Jake, there's one thing I notice about the schedule that I've got a grievance. What's that, Mr. Gray? So, our first match was against Northeast Iowa, and I'm saying, I'm talking yeah, season opener, the yeah. Wombats, you know, yeah. okay? So, we play Northeast Iowa. They're fresh. We're fresh, whatever. Week two, we play Iowa City. Iowa City had a match the week before. And then, the rest of our schedule... Every single team had a bye the week before they played us. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird how that works. That is. Like, Clinton forfeited, but um, the week two, Clinton had a bye. Week three, they play us. Cedar Rapids, week five, or week four, we played them. Week three, they had a bye. Quad City, they have a bye. Then they play us. Mm-hmm. And then Dubuque, Elliot just told us, they're coming off of a bye, well-rested. So, one, two, <laughs> three, four of our six teams that we play – they had a bye the week before they played us. So whatever, play people whenever, but competitive balance, you know, <laughs> you know, fair is not equal. I don't know. Uh, it's just interesting. <laughs> there, and I'm not saying there's no conspiracy. No one's out to get us. It's just, it's just interesting. I guarantee they had a spreadsheet and they just went down a list and they followed yeah, a format yeah. and then diagonally, they didn't even notice because who cares? I'm going to probably throw out there that there's a 99% chance that that's exactly what happened. I'm going to say 100. 100? That's pretty bold. I'm sure they tried really hard on the D1 schedules. They <laughs> yeah. tried pretty hard on D2. And then by the time they got to D3, they go, these are your opponents. Figure it out. We're fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably exactly what happened. No, it was just because uh, every time we talk to someone, like, oh, yeah, we had a bye. And then we play you guys. I'm like, that keeps happening. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not actually mad. There's no grievance. I yeah. just, it's funny. It is funny. I just wanted to preface. There's no, I'm not mad. Okay, now now I'm talking about it too long. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> la- the last match in D3 in Iowa uh, was Northeast Iowa was to go to Clinton. And so Northeast Iowa ended up forfeiting to Clinton. Yeah, I saw that. So real, real interesting. Yeah, Clinton, they were 0-3 with three forfeits. And I think there was a miscommunication or uh, a break in or a 
I'm not sure 100% what happened, but it sounded like Clinton had 16 guys. And, um, you know, I think Northeast Iowa, some of the guys probably assumed that it was another forfeit and made other plans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, and that happens. And I mean, can't really blame them when the track record was there, but kind of a bummer. It is. And like, I know too, like Northeast Iowa is struggling with a couple of injuries and missing a few guys to this season. So, I mean, they only brought what, 17, 16 to our. Yeah. Season opener. And then someone got a red card. And so we got a red card and they lost him for at least a match. Yeah. So. so, I mean, it's just one of those things where, and they have to travel pretty far. So, I mean, it's just, you know, is what it is, yeah. but that's, that's what happened. So Clinton ended up with the forfeit win there. Um, saw that because they posted it on their Facebook that there was no match. So again, a lot of speculation from us and just good to see though. Clinton had 16 guys. Yeah, no, that's, that is a plus. That is a plus. That is awesome because yeah, I, scary times when 0-3 with three forfeits. Now they have 16 guys, so they're still working at it. And, yeah. you know, we we don't see them often because they're far away. But that silver lining, that's a positive. Exactly. Moving into D4. Mm-hmm. Iowa Falls hosted their first home match. They hosted Mankato, the Marauders. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mankato ends up getting the win. Okay. But I know Iowa Falls was pumped because they had their home match. And then... They have two buys in a row, and then lacrosse is going to come down. Hmm. I'm sure that'll be a fun one. Yeah. And you know what just hit me the other day? I'm so mad about this. You know how they always say for lacrosse, LAX? Yeah. I finally understand why. Lacrosse, like X. The X crosses. Yeah. Lacrosse. I'm (laughs) so... I've never put two and two together and i saw someone like i'm a proud parent of a lax player and i'm like lax lax like you're stupid and then i'm like i'm stupid the x is a cross <laughs> but you could hey. be like they could be lat players yeah that's a cross yeah i mean yeah sure so then i saw like because when i looked up lacrosse rugby they put lax rugby and i'm like that's wow. confusing and then i'm like i'm stupid I'm it's okay stupid we all have idiot. those moments I have them a lot. <laughs> Brother, yeah. same. And then uh, Des Moines women, they're going to go to Rockford, Illinois on October 8th. So they have kind of the festival friendly kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, the yeah. Rockford Ravens. Rockford Ravens. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. And hopefully we're going to hear from uh, Des Moines women's player soon because a lot of Des Moines women are coaching in the girls high school league that mm-hmm. started this past Monday awesome awesome stuff exciting times definitely and we'll get there later but now we move into iowa state against minnesota it's a home match for iowa state um i'm my throat's tired should we talk to someone else yeah i think we should talk to somebody who was at that match okay here's aunt frying and now we have aunt frying head coach of the iowa state men's cyclones that was a weird way to say that. The men's rugby, Iowa State men's rugby head coach. Yeah. Is that the title you go by, Ant? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and less words than that. Just uh, <laughs> Iowa State. <laughs> Iowa State's head coach is fine. Okay. So, uh, Matt Campbell, uh, I mean, Ant Prime. <laughs> oh, I'm better looking than him. Come on. Mr. Okay, Gray. debatable. 
Can can we also just say how funny was that when DeAndre was trying to make fun of Iowa State football fans? He said, "Did Iowa State win?" <laughs> Devin? No, he didn't say did Iowa State win. He said, "Did they won today?" Yeah, and then Devin of the lock on our team had a comment and like with a little star win, and it got like a shit ton of likes. <laughs> oh, I was gonna talk about myself. How I said yes. Iowa State beat Minnesota 19 to 12. <laughs> they did. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? That just speaks to the University of Iowa's, you know, educational standards there. If they're using one instead of when. Oh, 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 wait, never mind. DeAndre never went to Iowa. <laughs> I know. That, that, that's the joke. <laughs> for, for people who might not get the joke, Phil really wanted to drive it home. <laughs> oh. So all kidding aside, you guys played Minnesota, Heart of America action, uh, a really tough side, a really good coach up there as well. Uh, we've always said, like, we think Iowa State, Minnesota, Nebraska, I, like all of you, all the teams, like you could finish first through fourth. It just seems so close. And you guys had a very close match. Can you tell us what was the flow of the game like, uh, the highs and lows? Tell us uh, minute by minute. You have 80 minutes. Go. <laughs> well, so, you know, first five minutes kind of started off like every game in the heart of America starts off. You you kind of hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's, in my opinion, one of the toughest conferences in the country, especially at the D1 AA level. So just kind of back and forth playing the field position game. And then Minnesota tried to clear in uh, Jerry Johnson, uh, one of our flankers, basically just took the ball off their kicker's foot and housed it. I mean, it was a charge down that he just cleanly caught and never really broke stride. And we, you know, we had a pretty packed house at the SWAC this weekend. So that really got the crowd into the game, which was was really nice, you know, really nice to get that momentum uh, going early in that. Um, And then Minnesota answered back. Uh, One of the Miller twins uh, found the end zone for us to make it uh, 12, five, Minnesota answered back in the second half as well to tie it up 12-12. And then it really was kind of a back and forth for the last, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. And then we finally um, found Rowan Collins out on the wing and he took it in from about 22 out with seconds left to win it. And then just kind of recovered the kick, stole a line out and kicked the ball out to touch. And this year it turned out we had the score right and we got the win. Yeah, because last year you had a match where it was close in the final seconds. Was that against Minnesota last year, too, where the referee yep. gave you the wrong score and then the match was over and was like, oh, whoops, I messed up. You actually lost. Yeah, so we stalled out the last five minutes or so last year thinking we were up two, um, and then kicked the ball into touch inside the 22 and we're actually down one, which was not a great feeling. That's where you need to go and be like, hey, we need a scoreboard and a scoreboard operator at all times. Oh, we've got both now. We've got both now. So we've got those bases covered now. (laughs) Nice. And so you did mention a couple of the guys, you know, one of the twins uh, and then Rowan Collins. Uh, What are some other names of the guys that really like stepped up? Not your normal guys that carry the load, but who was someone that really stood out that's kind of having a breakout season? I mean, he, he doesn't really get the press because he hasn't really broken one yet. He, he's had a lot of meters with the carries, but Tyler Cahill, the senior wing we've got, mm-hmm. um, it, you guys are familiar with him from Sevens. Sevens, yeah, really, superstar. 
yeah, really defensively has just kind of become our defensive ace and kind of how we build our backline defense around, you know, him being able to cover a bigger area than a normal player would. Mm -hmm. So it allows us to condense in other areas. I mean, he's just been a rock star in defense. Minnesota had a chip and chase where if it was any of the other 15 players on our team chasing the guy, they probably score there to win the game. Um, And he was able to uh, track it down and make a play to keep them out of the end zone, which was, I mean, it was huge. You know, he's had a good year. Jared Johnson, I mean, the kid just works. He's always looking for work. And then our forward pack, it's deep. I mean, we're, we're playing 13 guys every game. We're using all of our subs, nice. using them tactically, which is, which is huge. I mean, at the end of the game, no one was fresh in that game when you play, mm-hmm. you know, a game at the 79-minute mark has a total of four tries. But, you know, they, they were fresher than Minnesota, and it allowed us to, you know, keep getting go-forward ball late in the game. Mm-hmm. Maintain that possession, write yeah. it out, and... Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, because when I looked at your your roster in your uh, subs, a forward that we kind of had an eye on just because he came to our little tournament we had last spring. I think he was a freshman last year. Uh, Is it Michael Witt? Oh, Mike Witt's playing center for us. Yep. Okay, gotcha. I didn't know if he was like a flanker or eight man. So he came in as a center in the second half for you? Yep, yep, yep. So we use him and Nick Gill, who's a senior. I mean, they, they've had a pretty even minute split this year. They're they're both very good at very different things. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of nice to, you know, let put them both in a position where they can play to their strengths. I mean, he, he had two against Iowa off the bench for us. I mean, he's just a good hard runner yeah. for us. No, that's – and, like, to have someone come off the bench while – the other back line is like tired and like, Oh, someone comes in. And I know a lot of times people think like, if you're on the bench, it's not your best, but that's not true. Like you have a tactical reason where, you know, you can wear someone down and then that guy comes in and it's like, good luck trying to tackle him or slow him down. And I just remember seeing him and it was like, "Eh, it's a grown man. It's like, I'm a freshman. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's great. Shut up. (laughs) Well, and how we play, you know, our bench has been really our key to success this year, just with how we play. We like to play, you know, kind of, DeAndre, don't listen to this part. Kind of the Iowa football style, where you know we play, we play very good defense, and we just kind of grind teams out. And then being able to use the bench and having guys that would start for a lot of teams come off the bench when everyone else on the opposite team is either dog tired or you know we're betting their bench isn't as good as our bench. Which you know so far through two Heart of America games has kind of been a recipe for success for us. I would ask too, how do you get those guys to buy into that? Because so often we think of in football or baseball, you want to be the starting quarterback. You want to be the starting pitcher. Like it means so much to people in American sports to be like, I'm the starter. This is my position. But to really get guys to buy in that the team who has the deeper roster normally is the team that wins. And like, you don't call them, you know, backups or subs you call them finishers for a reason because those are the people that drive drive the nail in the coffin how do you get guys to buy in and really see that okay i'm not starting but my position and role might be more important than the starter because of Mm -hmm. i'm the guy who makes sure in the last 20 minutes they don't score i mean i think the big thing is you just got to make every guy feel validated whether you know it's west cummings or captain down to our last guy 
on our reserve side. I mean, you just gotta make them feel appreciated and like their works, you know, being noticed with it. So, you know, taking the B side game seriously, which I'm going to plug them, their point differential in heart of America plays 187 to zero right now through three games, not 200, not 200, Mm. you know, the, the offense had a little snag. Yeah, that's uh, fine. <laughs> so, but you know, you you make that a big deal, and then you know they buy they buy into the program, and then w- when you've got the goals that the guys have set out this year, you know, it, it's an accomplishment to be that reserve. It's not oh, you're not as good as the A side starter. It's hey, I have a role on this first team now. I've got to do this role, mm-hmm. and you know, it just it's getting the guys to buy into the bigger picture, but also making them feel you know validated at the same time. That's awesome. Because that awesome. yeah, you get guys kind of you know a little bit of ego that they want to be the starter, and that's cool that you can get them to look past that. Mm-hmm. And then well, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, and you know, we we go live more in practice than a lot of teams. So mm-hmm. you know, you you might have a guy that thinks he should be starting, but you know, it usually ends up kind of shaking itself out <laughs> that way, where it's like, okay, yeah, may, maybe there are some things I need to work on, and you know, it keeps guys motivated, which is good. That's actually funny you say that because Josh Detar, former player of yours, we, <laughs> we had him at center last week and he crushed it because our we were missing some guys. And it was so funny because our defense this year for the Wombats has really stepped up. And Detar told us after the game, because I, I just asked him kind of like, how, you, how did things feel like just game wise? And, and he's like, you know what? This is crazy because when I played for Ant, we practiced defense so much and we went live so much. He's like, it's really weird because for the Wombats, we don't go live ever because people are grown and we can't get hurt. And then also we just we just don't practice defense because it's like, yeah, I figured it out, just make the tackle. And he's like, he's like, I don't understand how we're holding people to these low points. Just like it's just a wildly different idea. But also you have a huge roster of college age kids who are just yeah. ready to go and we're like eh, i can't get hurt for work but that was shocking to detar when he went from iowa state to the wombats and he's like wait we don't hit or practice defense we just we just do it but because well, you built that in for him yeah, he already had that base yeah he know? had that base so we don't have to worry about it so thanks well, have, you, have you ever seen the picture of him when he was a freshman at iowa state i think i've seen it float around before I'm there's sure. there's one where i think it was yeah, it was Mizzou back when they were in their heyday. They're, you know, taking a penalty tap at like the five meter line. And Detar is this 19 or 18 year old freshman in a three point stance, just in the <laughs> middle of the forwards. And then you have Jacob Sunday behind him with his hands on his knees. And it, I mean, a picture has never summed up two great kids more than that picture. You will definitely have to share that photo when we post the link for this on Wednesday, <laughs> just so we can see that. Oh, it's, it's so funny. I mean, it just sums up Detar and Jacob in a nutshell. Uh, two guys who had a great career at Iowa State and now playing big roles on their men's teams. So looking ahead this upcoming Saturday, you guys have a rematch with Iowa. Uh, again, we were talking before we started recording. Uh, Iowa had a great match against Nebraska they were down 8-12 to 12 at halftime, and then they come back and just thumped Nebraska. And we talked to Tyler Daly. He said they really found their identity. You know, how do you go into a rematch with an in-state rival like this? What are What is the goal uh, for Saturday? And 
what do you do to get the guys up again? So then that way they're not complacent from kind of where they were a couple weeks ago. I mean, I think the big thing is you got to kind of look in the mirror. You know, the scoreline when we played them the first time was a little misleading just because we were able to, in the first, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of that game, really execute our game plan to a T. And in a rivalry game like that, you know, you put up a couple, you know, two, three scores very early, and it's very easy to ride that momentum. I I don't think that's going to be the case this time. And it, it goes back to what I was saying before about the heart of America and its strength. You look at, you know, Nebraska is a team that made a final four and sevens last year and was very, very close to knocking off the eventual national champions mm-hmm. in that game. You know, and then you see Iowa, you know, bounce back from a 50-point loss to then go on the road and beat them. I mean, it's it's impressive. And, you know, my I guess my job this week is just drilling the guys like, hey, we're only, what, a sixth of the way through our schedule right now. I mean, this table could flip very quickly if we don't take care of business. Yeah, and I got to give you credit, Ant. That is such a good, polite answer, like just propping up your in-state rival uh, other head coach, Tyler Daly, you know, in their program. Like you you listen to a lot of sports podcasts and sports radio. That was just <laughs> a very good answer to like – It was a good answer. You're, you're talking up Iowa's club. You're talking up your club. You talked up the conference. I'm going to just say right now that was – the best response to a question I've ever heard. Like you, you <laughs> elevated, like if this was pro wrestling, you just elevated that match because you gave credit to so many different people. You gave credit to Nebraska and their sevens program daily. Uh, I was team, your team, the conference. I mean, hats off to you. If you need to learn how to respond to an interview question, call Ant Frank. Like that was masterclass. And I'm in shock because it was so good. <laughs> hey, you know what? If, you, if you're not hyping it up, someone else is hyping something else up. So, you know. <laughs> Better never stops. Amp Frying's always working. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, we're super looking forward to – God, I'm really bad at words with you. Uh, we're really looking forward to this matchup, Iowa, yep. Iowa State, the rematch. Uh, again, you know, we just hope both teams have fun <laughs> because we like both of you guys. And both teams are going to try very hard. Yeah. We'll be rooting for you. <laughs> And Iowa State, but we'll also be rooting for Tyler and Iowa and the Hawkeyes. And we just hope it's a really good match and everyone gets better and everyone's healthy. And uh, we can't wait to see what happens, man. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone is, you know, in this one. It's kind of a real testament to, you know, the state of Iowa in general. Mm -hmm. That You know, both both programs, plus you throw you and I, you throw Iowa Central Mm -hmm. in there that, you know, a state that doesn't have high school 15s is able to put out four programs that do as well as they do um, at the national level. And, you know, it's nothing but love between me and Tyler. I I don't think that's a secret at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like all jokes aside, like I really do think that this match will be closer and that's not a knock on, on you or anybody. I I think like it just, you know, they, they're coming together a little bit and they're going to, they've got some guys coming back from injury and, and they're they're excited to play you guys. And then I know also your boys are going to give their best effort. So I just think it's going to be another great matchup at the yeah. SWAC. So pack the SWAC. SWAC. What time's the kickoff? 10 a.m. kickoff on Saturday. And then we've got the women's match right afterwards. I think they're opening things up against Winona State at noon yep. right after cool. that. So a little, little super sight to steal you, you, and, you and I boys thunder <laughs> right there. 
hey, you know what? Everyone should do super sites. They're so much fun because you get so many people uh, connected. It's awesome. And then, I, I mean, I think the Iowa State women's team, uh, they're in a similar spot as the men's team where that conference is amazing. And watch out. I think they made some noise at that Super Sunday. Uh, I think they're going to make some noise this year. Yeah, no, I, I saw those results. And I mean, the results speak for themselves. You know, it, it's early in the year, but, you know, it looks like Kelsey's got that thing, you know, pointed in the right direction. And it'll be exciting. I, you know, I'm excited to watch them play on Saturday. Winona State's a really good team. You know, they've won some D2 titles. And, mm-hmm. you know, Steph, my wife, is a Winona State grad. So that'll be a little fun to watch that. Did not know that. Little trivia. Didn't play. Didn't play for him though. She, <laughs> she, she's not exactly a, a rugby playing uh, athlete, but you know she she's a proud alum. <laughs> nice. And actually, oh, speaking alum, alum I want to give this more time. Um, I want to talk to you, and Phil wants to talk to you about the Iowa or the state hall of fame yeah the iowa state hall of fame but we want to give that some more time but phil does have a quick grievance for you so (laughs) we'll have you on another time because we really want to give that time and celebrate those guys that were inducted to the inaugural class congratulations to you as well but thank you phil has a grievance real quick before we pat you on the back too hard let's hear it philly okay well first off congrats though i'm making the uh no no don't this, pump nope. him up oh, no i was no. just gonna say i we... want to say congrats earlier <laughs> That's pretty cool. Phil over here yeah it's, no, it's just you know awesome that you uh got inducted to the hall of fame for 10s and 20s uh i have a question though how can anybody on who's on the outside of iowa state make a nominee because i got a guy who i could definitely see being in the hall of fame for iowa state absolutely so the social media post i think it was posted, I don't know, probably half dozen times or so. We got to see what's going on with the algorithm too, because you're not the first person that said they didn't see it. But basically how it worked is Nathan Chambers, who was in my class at Iowa State, uh, Jeff Harstead, who played in the 90s, and then Aiden Lewis, who's the current club president, um, got a list of you know bios from the nominations that people had and then went through in this first year in order to keep it from skewing, you know, on either end of the spectrum based on, you know, 54 years, there's a lot to cover there. Mm. They picked one from each of the five decades and then three wildcard selections as well. So Phil's got a nomination for next year. Do you guys accept them through podcast form? (laughs) You know what? For Phil, I'll make an exception. All right. We need to get Tim Oxenford on there. You know, oh, yes, Joe's brother. Yeah, he's got like multiple national championships for uh, like touch rugby, including like a couple world appearances they've done, like in Australia and stuff. Also, a D3 national champ from this past year. So, he's got a pretty good little resume. There we go. Fill out the bio form. You know, you can do it in. Wait, I thought this counted. I thought this was it. I need you to fill out for me. you guys would be amazed. You know, there are a lot of great submissions on it and a lot of great candidates, but the rugby player administrative brain <laughs> doesn't go away when you graduate college, I learned, because there were a lot of name, the year they played, reason why he was a stud. <laughs> <laughs> I will I'll get some informa- more information from Tim, and I will write out, like, multiple paragraphs for it (laughs) it was just funny because i was talking to chambers about it he's like 
yeah, there were like four or five like different players that had the exact same bio because people just put he was good. <laughs> hey, well, also, Tim is also a multi-million dollar doctor and he knows MJ personally. Well, there we go. You know, I don't know how much uh, fact-checking Nathan Chambers did. So. And, like, none of that was true, but I'm just going to say it was. So. Like, you can't admit it's not <laughs> true, Phil. How bad is Phil at this? We've done over 30 episodes, and he's still – he just – he doesn't listen to AM radio like us. <laughs> I don't listen I, to AM radio at all. I know. I know. We need to get him on the Mad Dog and Russo <laughs> show or something. <laughs> Oh man, no, that's good stuff. That's it's actually funny you say that because uh, you and I is actually trying to start um, a Hall of Fame coming up soon, mm. and I and I did put in a nomination for Paul Emmerich. Probably not the only one. And actually, my bio was it's Paul. Like <laughs> <laughs> we don't really need like, to say much. about Do you Paul. really need to say anything? Yeah. Well, yeah, he kind of goes in the Matt Brotherton uh, category where there were about eighteen Matt Brotherton nominations, and half of them just said. Duh, yeah, there. <laughs> there are those that you have to be like, okay, but I mean, 54 years of rugby that's awesome. You guys got that Hall of Fame going, and again, congrats. We want to give you time, um, to just really talk about all those people and what they've meant to the club, give it its own time to breathe, you know. And so, we appreciate you coming on and talking about that Minnesota match, and good luck this weekend again to both sides. Yeah, I just hope we all have fun and, <laughs> and we come out with come five on. points at the end of the day. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, Ant, thank you for joining us always, brother. Um, it's always good to talk to you, man. Yep. Thanks for having me, guys. Bye. I love you. Bye. I love you, Phil. I love you, too. <laughs> no, I'm indifferent on you, Mr. Gray. <laughs> There's time. There's time. I'll. You'll come around. <laughs> 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 yeah i just hung up on him we're still recording all right now we're not and that was ann frine hall of fame coach from the 10s and 20s really proud of him and, yeah and hall of fame player yeah i mean he did both oh yes it will yeah it, well he was coaching the 10s too though yeah and yeah. he played there and too he played, yeah yeah it, uncom- it encompasses the entire career yeah. So good stuff. I think that match is going to be awesome on Saturday. I know. I, I wish I could go watch it. I know. But we're going to watch Devin be a strong man. Strongest of men. That's awesome. The women for Iowa State, they didn't have a match. They were off this week. It looks like in the women's league because the UNI women also didn't have a match mm. uh, because they had their Super Sunday. League play starts for them on October 1st, this upcoming Saturday. That seems so, so crazy late. Doesn't it? I know. For us, we're like, oh, man, we're midway through. We're, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're getting the playoffs in the middle of October. And they're like, oh, we just started league play. League play for them starts October 1st. Like Ant said, Kelsey McDowell will lead the Iowa State women's team at home against Winona State. And then the UNI women, Megan Flanagan, is going to take her squad up to Madison, Wisconsin, against the University of Wisconsin. So women's action in uh, what do they call their conference? Do you even know? Is it just, mm, I can't quite remember what it's called. Shoot. It's just like the Midwest Women's Conference D1. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good action. Excited for that. You and I, Iowa State game again. think yeah. that's going to be a barn burner. That's coming up on the 8th. Yeah. So that'll be a good one. And yep. What? You and I still currently ranked number two, and mm-hmm. Iowa State's knocking on the door to get in that top 10 spot. Yeah. Iowa State was like at 12, but yeah. I guarantee. They're going to have a big win over Winona State. I 
guaranteed lock of the week. They're lock of the week. Yeah. Well, then, next week. And then potentially see three women's teams in the top 10 from Iowa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope so. Oh, yeah. And then, so we mentioned you and I, uh, the men, they also, you and I men, they hosted Principia at Cedar Falls. They played mm-hmm. their match after Bremer in Cedar Falls. Sounded like when I talked to the club, you talked to them as well, too. Principia did a little recruiting over the <laughs> a summer. A little bit, yeah. So they were like the 15th ranked team. And then there's multiple. Alex Goff had a poll and then NCR had a poll. They moved up to six before the match started. Yeah. And Principia, they got the best of you and I. Yeah, it just sounded like, like you said, did a little bit of recruiting. They had a lot of uh, foreign players that have probably been playing rugby since they could walk. South Africa and Argentina. So it sounded very similar to Thomas Moore. I mean, Principia, the Thunder Chickens, very small school. And they are kind of the type of school that argues, you know, we can never move up because our student body is so low. We have such a small number. We can't recruit on campus like other schools. But it's like you're pulling international players. International players, yeah. It's yeah. I just was hearing like obviously just their strategy was just great. Like box kicks were like stupid high and like just all this incredible play by them. So, but you know, it's gonna make you and I better at the end of the day playing tougher competition. Well, and that's the thing. They did not have a conference match. Mm. They could have just taken the week off and been like, yeah, we're fine. Principia, if they want to win a national title, that's the team they have to beat. Mm-hmm. So even though they they took one on the chin, yeah, you know, that's a team that they're going to have to study up for. They're going to have they have film on now well, mm-hmm. if they if they recorded it, uh, <laughs> you know, they know what to expect. There's no surprises. If you run into that team in the playoffs, and you're like, holy smokes, these guys are good. One and done, you're out. Yeah. Okay, you saw these guys now. It does not hurt your conference standings. We say this like all the time when clubs go out of conference. And this is insane, by the way. Do you, don't look, do you know the total enrollment of Principia College? Take a guess. It's got to be under 1,000. 340. For the entire school? That's what this says. What? Yeah, Yeah, that's from usnews.com. What year? Fall of 2020. <laughs> My God. Yeah. That's insane. What is the enrollment at Principia? So now this says 455. So I wonder if 2020 had dropped. Four, I was just wondering with 2020 being. 455. Okay, so that does make sense. Like, yeah, you can't recruit on campus. Basically, if you are there, 51% of the male students, 49% of the female students, uh, they're in sports in NCAA division three so basically if you're there you're playing a sport you're you're not just there for school you didn't just go there to be like oh it's a private school expensive Woo! wow <laughs> you seen the tuition or what no uh i could look it up though no no one wants nah, to hear no that 32,000. it's not as bad as i thought that's still a lot though I mean, simpson college right now is like fifty-four thousand. really jesus yeah insane um yeah, that's huh. between three fifty and four twenty. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty small pool, but but then you bring in dude. I yeah. don't know. That's just crazy. So, I mean, you and I, you got to figure out how to get by those guys. Yeah, whether it's tactical, move things around, or um, you know, just be ready to go. So interesting stuff there. They have Illinois State next week. They're on the road. That'd be that, a good match. It's going to be a big matchup, and I ex- I fully expect them to bounce back, and I fully expect 
someone like Gentry Stack to just lead the charge. I guarantee he's going to be a breakout player in Alex Goff's little performance of the week. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to take ownership and leadership and and lead these guys to a good bounce back over a tough Illinois State rival that they they always play good every year. Mm-hmm. That's a tough match every year. So good luck to them. Uh, moving into now the University of Iowa, we got a couple interviews here. Uh, which one do you want to talk to first, men or women? I'd say men. We can start with men. All right. Uh, let me just check here. Tyler Daly's been on the road for seven hours. Uh, I think he's good to call right now. Perfect. All right. Ring. All right. Now we have Tyler Daly, the head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes men's program. Tyler, how are you doing tonight? Good. How are you guys doing? Oh, pretty good. Uh, I mean, not as good as you, I think. You guys came away with a <laughs> massive victory over Nebraska this weekend. What was the final on that? Uh, I want to say 54 to 15. Cool. Nice. That's awesome, man. And to, to kind of, you know, you're in conference play, big opponent there. Can you tell us the story of the match, kind of how things went, what the flow was like, and then any names of players that stood out for you? Yeah. Uh, start of the match, I kind of felt like a lot of the guys didn't have a lot of energy. Um, we went down two tries right away to some soft tackling in our back line. Um, kind of made some adjustments, uh, went into half, I think it was 12 to eight, um, made some adjustments at halftime and something clicked. The guys found an identity and they ran with it and it was beautiful. It was like artwork. It was cool. That's a hell of a halftime adjustment. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what, what finally clicked, but, um, yeah, like I said, we started the match off a little soft, and and then the guys kind of woke up a little bit, and realized that um, they needed to play a little more aggressive, and so they did, and uh, it worked out. We we started moving the ball efficiently, and obviously the the score represents that. So um, some shout outs: uh, Nathan Creech was man of the match. <clears throat> Ever since that kid came into our program, he's been um, somebody that surprises people all the time. Um, even his high school coach and I have had conversations. He they talk about how people just kind of underestimate the kid and he's, he just kind of um, goes under the radar a little bit and then all of a sudden he shocks everybody and, you know, he'll, uh, he usually plays flank or, or eight and um, randomly he'll just break, break the game line and, and take off for a nice long run and it always uh, ends up well when, when he's got the ball in his hand. So he played really well. Um, I'd say uh, we had Tanner Tees, um He's a captain, one of the captains of the team. Um, he's been one hell of a player uh, ever since he came in, and um, he's done a lot for us. Um, he's throwing in the lineouts. He's kicking off the tee and conversions. Guy plays prop. He'll play eight. He'll play anywhere, honestly, on the field. So it's uh, it's a coach's dream to have players like that. That's for sure. I mean, a prop who can kick. Who doesn't want that? I mean, come on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right. Hey, props need love too, right? <laughs> and then you let him joyride back at eight, man, every once in a while. Would you say yeah. that the performance of those guys, like, that's what made it click? I mean, was was it their leadership or just kind of they got punched in the mouth as a collective 15 and were like, all right, we need to turn it on? Like, what what did that feel yeah. like? Um, I think it's it's one of the it's kind of two parts. So we have some young guys on the team, um, and mistakes are going to be made by a lot of you know the new newer guys uh, typically. So um, we had a couple mistakes right away, and and I think ultimately their leadership did lead to uh, 
kind of the mindset change a little bit. Um, so I would say two part they, their leadership and then <clears throat> just some other guys stepping up, realizing that, um, you know, it's not an individual sport and they played way more like a team in the second half than they did in the first half. And quite frankly, the last two matches that, uh, we've played, uh, at Illinois and Iowa state, uh, it kind of felt that way too, is where they were just being too individualistic and, um, weren't clicking. They weren't finding an identity and running with it. And, uh, like I said, this, this match definitely showed that. So I'm, I'm happy to see that they finally clicked. That's awesome. And do you think, you know, you said they found an identity in that second half. What you have Iowa State coming up this Friday or this upcoming Mm -hmm. weekend on Saturday. Mm -hmm. What do you think you're going to see different in this matchup with Iowa State than the first? Because they got the best of you that first time in Iowa City. Now you're coming down to Ames. The the team now, you know, like you said, finding an identity. What are you looking forward to this weekend? What do you what do you want to see from the guys? Um, We got a couple guys that are coming back from injury. Um, so that'll be nice. And those are veteran players. Um, so I would anticipate seeing a little bit better of a flow of game. Um, and I think more guys will be playing, uh, team rugby rather than individual rugby. So I don't, I don't want to really go into any specifics necessarily, but I mean, it's just going to be, they'll they'll find, um, find their opportunities a lot easier with veteran players on the field. Definitely. And I think too, you know, you challenge yourself by going against the big, big 10 opponent. Oh, Oh, sorry. Uh, You guys challenged yourself by going out of conference. You had Illinois on the schedule and that was a very difficult team. And when you look at Illinois, that's, that's a front runner or a favorite for the big 10 West. They defeated Wisconsin 36, 29 this past weekend. You have Wisconsin on the schedule as well. Uh, Do you, do you keep track of what's going on in the big 10 and how do you measure Iowa against a team like Illinois or Wisconsin and then use that for the heart of America conference play? Uh, yeah, it's really tough uh, to measure um, because like I said, we kind of started off the season a little rough and with an injury bug. So it's, it's hard to, it's hard to tell because I don't necessarily know exactly what we all have. Um, I will say that a lot of those younger guys that have stepped into these roles, um, taking, you know, stepping into positions where, um, somebody had gone down um they've done very well with that um obviously the score of the two the last two matches didn't really represent that very well but um i definitely see growth so um i would say we're a team that that looks more like a rebuild than what an illinois or any of those big team team 10 teams look like um so it's, it's really hard to compare at this moment, but I would say here in the next couple of years, you'll start seeing not even just us, but like other teams from the Heart of America Conference playing these, um, you know, whether it's Big Ten or outside of the um, Heart of America Conference, these, these tougher teams, and they'll start competing a lot better. Um, Kansas went up to Indiana at the beginning of the season and, and kind of got thumped. It was like 80-something to, I don't know, a low number. Um but I, I think ultimately they learned a lot from that experience and, and it's going to make them all better players because of it. So. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Like we've been saying on the show a couple of times, like iron sharpens iron, always trying to find, you know, competition to make you better, even yeah. if it might not be the outcome that you were, you know, initially hoping for, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> Speaking of like big 10 and stuff like that, and I'm sure we've brought it up a few times. Do you think you could see Iowa potentially going into the big 10 in the next few years or? Uh, I, I don't, I mean, it was, it's always a conversation, right? Like the kids love the idea of 
playing in the Big Ten because that's naturally what the school is yeah. in as far as, you know, NCAA sports. Um, I really am not putting any thought to that, nor do I care about it anymore. Like <laughs> at this point, we're, we're focused on us as a, as a core group and as a team. And if, you know, it's an opportunity presents itself and it, and it makes sense, then we'll do it. But otherwise, we're happy where we're at. Heart of America Conference has phenomenal teams in it and it's it's grow it's the growth of the uh the talent in our conference is definitely showing itself this year and, mm-hmm. and last year specifically so um like i said we're happy where we're at but yeah if the opportunity presents itself and it's something that makes um sense for the club moving forward then maybe we'll make that decision oh yeah no that makes sense like every i feel like every rugby club college men's senior side wherever high school everyone has different needs you know yeah. and to to make sure the kids get the best experience possible as a coach you gotta evaluate everything and I'm sure mid-season you're like you know <laughs> you're worried about week to week not yeah. big picture conference so no that's that's awesome well Tyler I appreciate you jumping on and kind of giving us a recap of what happened sounds like the the guys are moving in the right direction growth is happening so we're really excited to see uh, the results on Saturday and kind yeah. of see that progress. Yeah. What time is uh, is kickoff? I think it's 10 a.m. I'm honestly not sure. I'm, I just got done driving for about seven hours, so <laughs> I haven't even gotten a chance to – you guys caught me and I'm still in the vehicle yet, so I'm oh, trying wow. to get inside so I can sit down and start playing in my week. Oh, man. This was Phil's idea. What did you say? This was Phil's idea to, to – Call you after seven hours of driving. Dang it, Phil! I, no, I specifically you know, wanted to do you that. Know, to him. You know I'm gonna call with you guys anytime. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Daily. We appreciate it. Love you, brother. Good luck this week. Love you. All right, boys. Cheers. <sighs> Man, dude, I'm not looking forward to going to work tomorrow. I gotta like run this job site for the day, and it's just gonna be. Wait, your legs are gonna be tired. Shut up! It's such a dad joke. Father too. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Oh, uh, and that was Tyler Daly. Always good to hear from that brother. He's a <laughs> yeah, good brother. He is a goddamn good man. Yeah, love him. Uh, so now let's move into the women's side. We have Katie Brandt, current player for oh, the yeah. Iowa Hawkeyes on the women's side. They whooped up on Michigan State. Former yeah. player of mine at Roosevelt. I was waiting for that plug. Just drop that in there. <laughs> Hi, welcome to this podcast, and it's only people that I coached or Roosevelt Grills and Wombats and you and I. <laughs> uh, Daly didn't fit into that. He's just a good friend. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's hear from Katie. All right, now we have Katie Brandt from the University of Iowa women's rugby team. Katie, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I you know was looking at scores on Facebook and. Also looking at the rankings, Iowa is in the top 10 in the NCR rankings for the D1 women's. And, you know, you have the Big Ten schedule. You started your first game was at Purdue. Looked like they forfeited, but you were still able to play a match. And then this past weekend, you guys hosted Michigan State and just laid a beat down on them. How are, how are things going over in Iowa City? They're doing really well. I was not able to go to that first um, game at Purdue. so. I don't really know much about the forfeit, like what happened there, but I do know that a lot of our players were able to get like their first time out on the rugby pitch because of that kind of like mix up or whatever happened, which is unfortunate, but also like 
I know a lot of people were really thankful that they got their time out on the pitch. And then this past weekend with Michigan State was another of a lot of people getting their first on the field. Um, that game was, we were expecting it to be like a lot closer than it was last year when we played them, we won by a conversion in the last two minutes of the game. Um, it was 26, 24. I think I looked earlier today to see what our score was from that. And so to come out in this game and end up at 55 and 0 at half was pretty shocking. We had our first try in like the first minute of the game, which I think kind of set for the rest of it. And it was just, we had possession pretty much that entire first half. And, um, by the second half, our coach was ready to get some subs in and to get people some playing time. We had we ended up having an agreement with them to run some rolling subs. So I think four or five girls in our team were able to get their first ever game in on Saturday, which was really awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, it's it's the Big Ten, it's D1. You're playing this big-name program, Michigan State. They come to town and it just seems like things were clicking on all cylinders for you. I mean, you get out to a 55 nothing lead. How would you describe the play style of Iowa? Like what, I mean, is it very slow and methodical? Are you just bruising people? Are you trying to get it out wide? Like what is, what is the main kind of emphasis of your guys's attack? Yeah. So we are very honest with ourselves in the sense that we know that compared to other teams, we are not a forwards heavy team. We probably have like four girls on our team that would be considered like real forwards in terms of their size and like skill set. So when Michigan State showed up with an entire team of forwards, basically, we were very, very nervous. Um, we we do rely pretty heavily on like swinging the ball and getting it out to our back line. We we have a couple people that kind of snuck their way into the scrum that are more backline players. So we utilize them in the backline a lot when we're on offense. And it really is just kind of finding those right moments where we can break line. And then most of the time when we break line, we're gone. Mm-hmm. Like if we can get through, that's it. We're going to score. And our at every kickoff, our thing is tackler try. You're either taking the ball into contact or you're taking it down to the try zone. And so I feel like, we kind of use that in every play. It is very much our eyes are always on the try zone. And if we can just like work together and move that ball enough, we break line and we end up scoring. That's an awesome mindset. Like you, you're going for the home run and then your other players know to support like, Hey, we're, we're going. And it's almost like all gas, no breaks the whole game. And people just know that's the idea. And would you say your time in the Iowa youth rugby association, like, the Iowa high school league, the fact that we played sevens, do you think that helped you with this play style? Basically, you know, forwards are having to play a more backline oriented, a more, you know, free flowing game. Uh, Do you feel that's helped you? I mean, definitely like any rugby experience, even when you are changing from sevens to 15s is like really beneficial. And with the positions that I have ended up playing at Iowa being mainly like scrum half and hooker, a lot of the skill set is very, transferable over between sevens and 15s so like that experience for me was really great and I know the other girls that we've had come to us from like Southeast Polk and Cedar Falls and um Central Washington and stuff like they all can kind of agree that it's the way that we play it it is very the skills can transfer over really well and I think that like a lot of people are very who have come in with experience are very thankful that they have because everything Mm. just clicked lot faster and we're able to kind of jump into those like starting lineups and stuff a lot faster because of it 
Nice. And you mentioned a lot of, you know, big name programs in Iowa high school rugby. Is the majority of your team, do they have high school rugby experience? Is it half the team, a quarter of the team? What What's that number look like? So I think on our team right now, we probably only have seven or eight girls that have actually come from high school programs. We have some girls who've come from programs in Wisconsin mm. and have played there and then have come to us. And then there's, I think, well, I think there's like seven or eight players right now from Iowa youth rugby. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of our players do come from kind of that like soccer background or we have a lot of basketball and some softball and stuff. And so honestly, like a lot of our players come from sports where they were playing the speed positions of their sport mm-hmm. and so they are able to like transfer those skills over and then end up being very, very successful here. So it sounds like a mix of, you know, you have a few veterans who who've been around for a while and then you have these crossover athletes that are just amazing athletes and can pick up pretty much any sport quickly and they they fall in love with the game and you know your coach Kathleen O'Neill she took over in the last year or two she was with you know Jim Estes was coaching then they coached together now she's full-time head coach how's that transition been and what kind of environment does she build at Iowa that you know I, I look at this picture it looks like there's 40 girls on your team at the Michigan State game like how does she build that culture where you know, you have so many girls out for rugby. Yeah. I mean, that transition, that coaching transition, it was pretty smooth. Um, Jim moving out was like kind of a gradual thing. And I think we all kind of reached a point where we knew that that's what was going to be happening. He also doesn't live super close to Iowa city. So he wasn't able to be at every practice and stuff. And so it kind of just was like, it, it was just kind of a right time thing, I think for all of the coaches and stuff to make that transition. And, For us, Kathleen was playing a pretty dominant coaching role before then, so it definitely, like, made sense there. Um, But as far as, like, her coaching style goes and stuff, I mean, this year, I think, is the largest turnout of new players who continue coming back that the team has had probably, like, ever, if, like, if I'm thinking about it right. But um, she really just fosters a very like inclusive environment I mean she puts a lot of emphasis on like what we all know about rugby which is that there really is a place for everyone and she makes sure that everybody knows that like they matter on the team even if they're not a starter their presence there is still like super important and it is integral to like the success of the entire team even if you don't end up playing in one of our games like you being there still makes like a world of difference and Mm -hmm. I think I think that everybody realized that very early on, like all these new people have, they really seem to feel at home in Iowa rugby. And I think that a large part of that is due to her. And also our assistant coaches, Cameron Carpenter and Lucinda Williamson are also very much on the same page as Kathleen with that. And so together they really do foster a very, very inclusive environment. That's amazing because earlier in this episode, we interviewed the head coach, uh, Ant Frine from Iowa State. And he said the same exact thing about making sure that every player, you know, feels valued and not only like, you know, you can tell everyone like, oh, you matter, but to really have them feel that and buy in and really see that even though I may not play on Saturday, me showing up at practice helps everyone and it helps me be better. And the thing I see similar between the Iowa State men's program and the Iowa women's program is you have massive numbers of players on the team and you're having success on the field. 
that seems like for a club, if you're struggling to get people there and you're struggling to have success, make sure everybody knows they matter. I mean, two times in one episode, we've we've heard this. So that's really cool. I think people need to take note of that. I mean, obviously, there's so many things you can do on campus at the University of Iowa. A lot of distractions, a lot of things to get in trouble with. And you pick rugby over a lot of those things. How would you say, you know, your experience, not just rugby, but how's the University of Iowa been treating you? It's It's been great. I I mean, like, I personally really do love the, like, large campus, large college kind of experience. And um, I think, like, finding rugby here and, like, being able to feel just at home on this team as I did, like, at Roosevelt in high school was definitely very, very important to me in, like, my college transition. Um, Because it is weird, because it's very, it's very large, and it's very overwhelming, but being able to kind of find that group of people that, like, makes it all not seem so, like, daunting has been, like, really great, and they all, like, have become, like, some of my best friends off the pitch, too, and I'm very, very thankful for the program that exists here, that, like, I've been able to find that at such a big school. Yeah, easy to get lost in a place that big. And as cliche as it sounds, every old rugby player will tell you this, like those friends you're making right now are going to be the friends like in your weddings and like everybody, you know, like as you grow up, those are the people you keep in contact with over and over and job opportunities and just families and everything. It's really cool that, you know, rugby, it's one of those things, no matter where you move, you mentioned like, oh, I played rugby. And then you find this new family, even though you're in this massive campus. And so that's awesome to hear. And last question I have for you, Katie, because I know you have to get back to your your studies and your homework and, you know, got to get that that GPA looking good. So when we talk about rugby, a lot of times on this podcast, from the women's point of view, we focus a lot on Northern Iowa and Iowa State, you know, Kelsey and Megan, they're really great coaches. They have great programs that they've built and they've had a lot of influence in the high school league as well. It seems like sometimes we forget about the University of Iowa. And I don't think that's fair to you guys because, you know, you have a top 10 ranking. You guys have been crushing it. It's just we don't always hear from you or, you know, it's just not as shared as much. And that's why I wanted to have you on. Do you guys ever feel like you're the the forgotten sibling or the or you're left out of the conversation and does that have any influence or motivation for you when it comes to, you know, like rankings or when people are talking about where high school kids are going to go to college? Do, do you guys pay attention to that at all? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if like we feel forgotten. I think that we get a lot of recognition and stuff within the Big Ten and both of those teams just don't happen to compete in that. I I think that when like it comes to the times when we're actually being compared to them, when it's at like a regionals or a nationals or something like that, I think that we do a very good job of making ourselves seen and heard and um, really showing everybody what Iowa rugby is about. I know when nationals was sevens nationals was happening in new Orleans this past summer. um, We, Iowa was getting a lot of talk, a lot of very, very, good things and a lot of people expecting a lot from us and I think that um I think that we really do hold our own in that and we often get left out of that conversation because those two teams do play each other kind of frequently and we Mm -hmm. just don't be a part of that anymore we've kind of 
shifted our focus more to Big Ten specifically and kind of moved away from having matches against them because the Big Ten being a part of it does take up a lot of our season time. But, I mean, I think that the rankings do speak a lot in our favor. This is our first year being in NCR, and the fact that in their first ranking we were ranked fourth, and in the second we're still in the top ten at six mm-hmm. says a lot considering NCR has never had us in their um, in their conferences and stuff before this year. And I think that, yeah, I think that we have a really, really great program over here. Obviously, I love it, and it's. I would never go anywhere else, and I think oftentimes people forget that we're here, but then once our seasons start and we get into it, it's kind of hard for people to not notice that we're around, and as far as, like, motivation goes and stuff, I think when we hit those nationals and regionals things, the motivation to kind of prove ourselves as, like, we're here too, we're representing Iowa, and we're doing a really good job at it, I think that does kind of fuel us a lot. And, but yeah, forgotten sister, I don't know. But, mm-hmm. um, but I do think that sometimes people don't give us quite enough credit for what we are doing in the Big Ten just because it's so disconnected from what you and I and Iowa State are doing. Mm-hmm. And those opponents too, when you and I and Iowa State play a Wisconsin or Minnesota, those are so local, you know. You guys played Purdue, Michigan State, upcoming. You go to Michigan. You go to Ohio State. You know, those are some long drives, and people might not think of those as, you know, traditional rivals, but, I mean, those are Big Ten rivals. I mean, like I said, you have two really big road matches coming up next against Michigan and Ohio State on the road. And, yeah, when I looked at that top ten ranking and I saw Iowa on there, Phil and I, we looked at each other like, whoa, like – totally forgot that you guys made the switch to NCR. And it's like, how cool is this? Like we are going to have the opportunity that we could see two Iowa teams play each other in nationals and like really be on the big stage. So no, I think you guys, you're, you're doing amazing. Like you said, you can't not notice what you're doing over there because of the score lines you're putting up, the number of people you have playing, just all the smiles and the pictures. Like uh, there's some good things happening in Iowa city with the women's team. So uh, keep up the great work. I appreciate you joining us tonight. And um, yeah, good luck next weekend at Michigan. Thank you so much. It was so great to talk to you guys. Yeah, definitely. And we'll uh, we'll definitely catch up with you later, okay? Yes, of course. Sounds good. Awesome. Always good to hear from her. And, you know, like you said, three potentially teams from Iowa in D1 ranked in the top 10. It's cool because Iowa's in the Big Ten, so they're not going to, you know, you and I won't knock out or they won't knock each other out. Yeah, Iowa State and you and I, they're going to knock each other out. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, but Iowa, I mean, they're they're killing it. They are killing it. So awesome to hear they have Michigan next week. So, and the travel too, that's insane. They have a deep squad and they're going to like, they hosted Michigan State and then they go to Michigan. They went to Purdue. That's in Indiana. Mm Mm-hmm. Big Ten's no joke. No, yeah, that's that's got to be pretty difficult though. But you know they're they're making it work. Yeah, and they're they're buying in, and their coaches got them playing at a high level. And then speaking of travel, Iowa Central they played a non-conference match, big matchup. It was one Alex Goff had to watch uh, because there was some ranking implications. Because not often do teams go out of their conference to play, so it's always really hard when they try to come up with rankings because it's like, well, 
these teams don't play anyone out of conference. Yeah. How do we measure them? Mm-hmm. And so because Iowa Central, you know, for so long, they were a team that wasn't in a conference. They played everybody. Yeah. I feel like Alex Goff used them as a measuring stick because they would play Iowa and Iowa State. They would play, you know, Life, Lindenwood, yeah. and uh, Davenport. They would play these big-name schools mm-hmm. and small schools, and then Alex Goff could be like, okay, how can I stack them up? So they traveled to Davenport in Michigan. Yep. Uh, to great squad. Uh, Iowa Central loses 42-6. to six. That that Davenport squad, I looked at their lineup. Dude, I'm not telling you. Or I'm not kidding. I'm telling you. <laughs> I mixed those two up. I'm telling you, man. These dudes were yoked. Yeah. Like, their props looked very fit, but very strong. And, like, all of their players, I mean, they look like grown men. I mean, they have a great squad up there. I know Davenport... They were varsity, and then they kind of went through some changes. They're back. Yeah, and they had – so they had a few guys that played in that collegiate shield, you know, mm-hmm. like that Caleb went into. And I don't quite remember if they had somebody get drafted into the MLR, but, I mean, they've been historically pretty good. Yeah, and then there's a reason why the Detroit tradesmen are good. Mm-hmm. A lot of dudes who played for Davenport. Yeah, just pull from there. Pull mm-hmm. from there. So, uh, I mean, obviously, Iowa Central does it because – they want to test themselves against the best. Yeah. That's why they have their A side going against Davenport, their B side, and if they have enough for a third side, they're playing against, you know, Minnesota, Nebraska. I was going to say, they're like, still playing against, like, really good clubs. Really good clubs. <laughs> like and B side, even. Yeah, they're, they're, they're putting people all over the place. So they play Thomas Moore at home next week. That's going to be oh. – Thomas Moore travels from Kentucky to Crimmins Field in Fort Dodge, and – that's going to be a yeah. very interesting matchup because Thomas Moore, they're doing pretty well. I mean, they, they sent two guys to the MLR this past year, too. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a huge Big River conference matchup. That's going to really set the tone for, okay, where is Iowa Central in this brand new conference? Mm-hmm. How do they stack up against them? That's going to be exciting. I know. I can't wait to see the results in that one because I bias. I, I just, oh, and I don't like Thomas Moore because they, beat yeah, up on you and I yeah. with all the foreign talent that they brought in. And then I just love what Iowa Central's doing. And I really do think that's going to be huge traveling from Kentucky to Fort Dodge. Yeah. I wonder if they, I'm assuming they don't fly. They probably charter bus. Yeah, probably. So dude, if they retired from that, I mean, I'm just saying if they flew, what kind of rugby program has the budget to fly <laughs> right. to Fort Dodge? Yeah, of all places. Dude, that'd right. be wild. Uh, speaking of Fort Dodge though, did you get a message from Javi? No. Four devil emojis smiling? I did not. He didn't listen to the last episode. A son of a bitch. He didn't message me either. No. He didn't listen. We gave him a birthday shout out. Oh. Now we're talking about him again. Oh, speaking of birthday shout outs though. Yeah. Luke Schmidt's birthday was this past week. Oh, happy birthday, national yeah. champion, national former champ. Wombat. Yeah. Luke Schmidt. Happy birthday, buddy. Yeah, it looked like he got pretty, pretty rowdy. So good for him. Man, if it's your birthday, <laughs> go on and get zooted. You know, like. Get suited. He's down in Florida. Have fun, man. Yeah. yeah. So happy for him. I'm happy for him too. I just, yeah. My new segment of the week, birthday of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just thought of that. Uh, so, Javi, if you hear this, I want you to send me five, but only in one message, five hoagie or sandwich emojis 
in one message. They have a hoagie emoji? I think they do. Or like a sandwich. Oh, okay, like a yeah. sub sandwich. Well, that'd be fine. I think so. so send me the sandwich emoji five times to let us know that you heard this. <laughs> no, so the Iowa Central match. I'm excited for that. That's going to be huge for them. Uh, and then that's really all we have for Iowa. Again, we're going to get into the Iowa high school girls here in just a second. But finishing up in college, I just want to run through some scores. Get your take on it, Phil. Uh, basically, Davenport, they had the impressive non-conference. And again, yep. I'm on Goff Rugby Report looking this up. And Ohio State beat Bowling Green. So we always talk about the MAC is a great conference. The Big Ten is a great conference. Ohio State is my favorite to win the East in the Big Ten. So they beat Bowling Green. Uh, They they play a lot. Purdue lost a very competitive match to IUPUI, Indiana University, Pennsylvania University of Indiana. I don't know what it is. Wow. But it's something like that. IUP. Well, wait, not not it's the a diff- I, it's that's not a different the, one. It's okay, not the, it's not the D two IUP. Okay, it's IUPUI, and IUPUI is in the MAC. Mm. So Purdue in the Big Ten, they lose. IUPUI, they win. Uh, other teams, we talked about this with Daly. Illinois defeats Wisconsin close yeah. within a try. Indiana defeats Michigan State twenty seven to five. And then Colorado just smashed Wyoming 77-0 in the Rocky Mountain Conference. And then, yeah, so uh, Big Ten stuff still looks like Indiana in the East or Illinois. Yeah. Or Indiana or Illinois in the West. Ohio State, State probably, probably in has that the up. East. Yep. I feel kind of dumb for saying Notre Dame. I was kind of leaning towards Notre Dame when winning that. but Dude, their football team even – is down. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, not good. Then in the heart of America, more action. Kansas, they beat Missouri 22 to 7. And then we also had Arkansas won big over Kansas State. Hmm. So that's where Iowa State and Iowa are in. And so yeah, that's some some stuff from D1. And then when we look at D2, and this is why we want to look at D2, you and I is in the Great Midwest Conference. So Northern Michigan, they're in the northern part. They defeat Wisconsin Platteville 20 to 15. Really close to the very close. Yeah. Northern Michigan, they've made playoffs uh, a couple times, kind of like a fringe playoff team. Wisconsin Platteville, they've gone through ups and downs. I feel like they're really building something there, but they couldn't quite get it done. Then we also had Loyola beat Illinois Chicago 37 to 0. So mm-hmm. Illinois Chicago played Illinois State tough. We talked yeah. about it last week where we're like, UIC, yeah. is UIC up? Is Illinois State down? Is it a mix of both? Well, Loyola, who you and I beat pretty soundly. It was like 53-10 or whatever. Yeah. yeah, by 40 plus points. They shut out UIC. Interesting. Very interesting. So I just feel like that kind of bodes well now for you and I. Do we know if Illinois State went to Chicago to play them? Or I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming you probably wouldn't. I don't remember that. I don't have that off the top of my head. But if you think about it, it shouldn't really matter. It's going to be one of the closest games because yeah. is Illinois State in what normal? Yeah. No, DeKalb. It's, no, it's, that's Northern Illinois. It's somewhere there. I know it's not like a crazy far drive for them, but right. Still, it, travel does make a little bit of a difference, right. even when it's collegiate men's. Yeah. And you and I is going to Illinois State, so could that have an impact? And then also. 
Marquette beat Wisconsin Milwaukee 48 to 5. So in, in Marquette's uh, number one on the other side. In the, the north. Yep. The north yeah. But also Whitewater has not played a match yet, and they're in the north. Hmm. So Marquette and Northern Michigan both want to know. Platteville and Milwaukee are 0-1, and Whitewater has not played yet. That's the North. In the South, Northern Iowa is 1-0. Illinois State is 1-0. Loyola 1-1. UIC 0-2. Northwestern has yet to play. Hmm. So, no idea what Northwestern brings. Like I said, I just think Northern Iowa is going to... I think they're going to handle Illinois State. Yeah, I think they'll have the South locked down pretty... I don't want to say easily, but yeah. I want to say easily. <laughs> I don't like, though, how Alex Goff put this. So only five games so far this season in D2 section of the great Midwest. And there will be four next weekend with Wisconsin, Whitewater, and Northwestern both getting their first games. But everyone within the conference will be fully aware that contenders Northern Iowa were beaten by 50 by Principia over the weekend. I don't like that he put that in there because it doesn't tell the full story. No. doesn't tell the full story. And I think you and I is going to be motivated. I think Zeus is going to have them ready to go. And they're going to put a beat down on Illinois State because they're mad. They're yeah. frustrated. You know, they, they want to play their style. I think they're going to take it to them. I feel bad for Illinois State because they got a beat down coming. I don't feel bad for them. I don't give a shit. Actually, you're right. I don't give a shit either. <laughs> And, like, they're the Redbirds, but then they're green and yellow in rugby. Yeah, that's stupid. That makes no sense. What is their mascot <laughs> in rugby? Do they have one? They're just Illinois State? I don't remember. I don't I care. I remember we played them once, but... Who yeah. cares? Exactly. Uh, there's some other matches in D1. I don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> uh, IUP defeated Kent State 63-0. to Damn. So that was the top D2 team, or one of them. They're, yeah, say they're number two right now, I think, right? Depends on what poll you look at, but yeah. they're up there. Says that that match was bigger than expected, or closer than the score indicates. And like, Did they shut them out? Yeah. <laughs> but you, know, you know how sometimes, like, yeah, it I... seems like things are very physical, and then you pop one off. Yeah, You're inside the attacking, you're going to score, but then you just get held. I, I don't know. It seems... I mean, like, you know, you get done with the match, like, the scoreline doesn't feel right. I I understand that 100%, I guess, but, yeah, I don't know, a shutout, though, and 60-plus points, yeah, you know. And then last thing I want to talk about, uh, so Friday evening, they're doing these games on Friday night, and then some of them are being streamed on YouTube, so that's kind of cool. They're taking, and maybe Iowa and Iowa State next year could get on that YouTube series, for Friday night matches. And I think the reason is they're like, one, people love to like see rugby. Mm-hmm. And then they're also like doing a bunch of like men's, women's, different locations, kind of feeling out what they can do for numbers. So Adrian versus Marion in the Big Rivers, uh, they played on a Friday night. And the final score ended up being 27 to 26. <laughs> God, those are fun. Yeah. So Adrian won to go 1-0, and Marion is now 0-2 in Big Rivers Conference play. So Iowa Central beat Marion, mm-hmm. but wow, one point. point. I know. But those are the fun ones, though, like not only to plan, but also to watch. That's yeah, crazy. Oh, yeah. No, good stuff. So 
now I think uh, what we need to do is uh, let's talk about high school girls rugby. The Iowa Youth Rugby Association kicked off their Fall Sevens Girls season this past Monday night. Two locations, the Cedar Valley Soccer Complex in Waterloo, hosted by Cedar Falls, and the Norwalk site, hosted at Warriors Stadium. So up first, we're going to talk about the Cedar Falls hosting site at the Cedar Valley Soccer Complex. Up first, we had a brand new team, the Fort Dodge Gazelles, taking on Cedar Falls. Now, Cedar Falls, they finished fourth last year. They also bring back a good number of players, and also they have like over 30 people on their team. Massive club. They have multiple JV sides. This first match, tough one for Fort Dodge. Cedar Falls wins 50-0. to zero. Up next, a team that went away for a while, Valley, one of the original teams. They were struggling, disappeared for a minute. Now they are back, being coached by Des Moines women's rugby player Megan Nelson. And they face off against Waverly Shellrock, who finished third last year. Very tough team. Waverly, they also have multiple JV sides. They're doing great. Waverly wins 53-0. to zero. So tough night for those two teams, one brand new and one in like a rebirth kind of phase. Up next, we had Southeast Polk defending state champions, taking on Cedar Rapids, Washington. Southeast Polk wins 67 to zero. Then we had Southeast Polk facing off against Fort Dodge. Southeast Polk won 50 to zero. Cedar Falls, they take on Valley next. They win 58 to zero. And then lastly, of the night at that site. We had Waverly 50 over Cedar Rapids, Washington. So one thing I noticed right there, you know, you have the number one team, Southeast Polk from last year, the number three team, Waverly, and the number four team, Cedar Falls, against Fort Dodge and Valley, who are basically brand new. And Cedar Rapids kind of in a rebuilding year, and their numbers aren't where they want them to be. But you can definitely see a different tier of where programs are at. We got teams that are just starting up, and we have teams that are finely tuned machines. I mean, they have multiple JV sides, a lot of girls, great coaches, and you can kind of see three favorites, Cedar Falls, Waverly, and Southeast Polk, all in the same site, but none of them faced off against each other. Then in more action in Norwalk, we had in the first match, Ankeny defeated Norwalk 20-0. And then another brand new team, Central Springs, motivated by the boys' club. The girls, they decided to take matters into their own hand, make their own club. They defeat last year's number two, Des Moines Roosevelt, 21-5 in their first match of the year. And the first match of their club's existence. And then in the next match of the night, Indianola defeats Ankeny 19-0. Central Springs, in their second match, they defeat Indianola 12-7. So Central Springs, brand new club, 2-0. Great start. And then the final match of the night, Des Moines Roosevelt knocks off Norwalk 29-10. So quick reaction here. Definitely, I think, Waverly, Cedar Falls, Southeast Polk, those are your three favorite frontrunners. I think Roosevelt, you could see they have a history of a strong program. They have new coaches there from the Des Moines women's team as well. Uh, Annie Myers is leading that. And definitely from the first game to the second game, you saw a lot of growth. A lot of things were clicking. I think you're going to see more growth throughout the season. Central Springs is 2-0. A lot more closer matches in that Norwalk site. It'll be interesting to see how Fort Dodge Valley and Cedar Rapids 
fare against those teams that were at Norwalk, but definitely from these early results, it, it feels like Waverly, Southeast Polk, and Cedar Falls are in a different class than everybody else. And that's not to dog on any of those other clubs. It's just those are really well-run teams. A lot of people that care put in a lot of work, and everybody else is going to be working to catch up to those three clubs. So it's going to be an interesting season. Great start to the year. Our next, this Friday, so I guess tomorrow, because, spoiler, we filmed these on Sunday, but I was waiting for the scores to get done so I could put this in here. We have, it looks like, Central Springs is going to be a host at Cedar Bend Lane in Eli, Iowa at the Cheyenne Rugby Fields. Nope, I lied. That's a, Cedar Rapids is hosting. Cedar Rapids, Cheyenne Rugby Fields, that's where Cedar Rapids men's plays their games. So, so we have Cedar Rapids as a host, and then Southeast Polk will be hosting at Bondurant for our middle school. So make sure you get out to either Bondurant or Cedar Rapids and support girls rugby. We have some really good matchups this week. What I'm looking for, what I think will be really interesting is you have Central Springs 2-0 against Cedar Falls 2-0, and it'll really show where that brand-new club is at. We also have, let me see here, another game that I'm really looking forward to. Cedar Falls and Southeast Polk will face off at the Bondurant site. So two battles of undefeated teams that are very strong. I think that's the one I really want to see. Um, Fort Dodge and Cedar Rapids, that's another one where both clubs started 0-2, but they also had to face powerhouse competition. It'll be really interesting to see where do they stand compared to each other. So that's our wrap-up for high school girls rugby. All right, and I think now's a good time, you know, to wrap this up. No dogs of the week, no uh, Philly V's top five. We're going to save those segments for uh, when we don't have so many rugby things. We know this can be long, but there's just there's so much good rugby going on. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's hard to squeeze all this in, and preferably like we try to keep everything obviously condensed down to hopefully under two hours, but it gets kind of difficult sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I know there's times too, we're like, all right, we're going to do 30 minutes this episode, 45 minutes. And that never fucking happens. No, we, we can't get <laughs> under an hour, but I also want to give time to the people and the stories that are happening and give us some feedback too. Did you like this episode more where we heard from more people and it wasn't just us speculating the whole time? Cause that's 87% of what this show is us just guessing <laughs> Or me just guessing and Phil agreeing with me. <laughs> yeah. I do, I do do yeah. that. I do do that. I mean, I personally like it. You know, yeah. I like getting other people's perspective and right. hearing like how things went, you know, especially on some of these matches where, yeah. you know, we don't really see anything on social media or like we get like a kind of short little rundown. So, yeah. And like we weren't there, yeah. you know, and, and we want to hear about this. And also it's cool talking to like high school coaches, college coaches, because mm-hmm you kind of start hearing these names and you keep hearing these names repeated. And it's like, those are names to watch those, those guys and girls, they're going to be doing some stuff here, you know? And, mm-hmm. and it's cool to see. And I, I just, I don't know. It's fun. It is fun. I enjoy it a lot. Yeah, me too. So let us know what you think. Uh, I hope this format worked for everybody. I, I like it. And I think in season, we're going to try to keep this format. Um, yeah, it's fun. I think so. And we'll have a handful of weeks still to try it out. Yeah. And preview for next week. 
Hopefully we have Gentry Stack from you and I. Hopefully we have someone from Des Moines. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be good. Going to talk to Megan Flanagan from you and I. Uh, we might have a Twin City Amazons player. Ooh. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, it would be cool. It will be. It will be cool. Yeah, I was talking yes. to Megan about that because I also goofed and thought you and I had a match. And Megan got confused. She thought I was talking about the WPL, not you and I. It all worked out. But exactly. yeah, and then maybe uh, we'll reach out to Kelsey too. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't so, heard from Kelsey in a minute, actually. So mm-hmm. we definitely need to get a hold of her. Yeah. See how the Winona State game goes. So yeah. And get some high school coaches in here. And then again, anybody that wants to be on, just let us know. We'd love to pick your brain. Yeah. And share yeah, you your got story. Anybody that you would like to hear about. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah. Yeah. How are you feeling? Good, you. 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 Fresh legs, fresh legs, fresh legs, fresh legs.